Welcome to Authors on Mission. I'm excited to have Erica Anderson on the podcast today. She's the founding partner of uh, Proteus, a premier coaching and consulting firm supporting leader readiness. Erica is an accomplished author of uh, five best-selling leadership books, a top Forbes blogger, and works closely advising executives at Amazon, Spotify, and more. We'll be discussing all of her book, like in her entire journey of how she became an author, and also her latest book, which is Change from the Inside Out, which provides insight on leading change effectively. It's great to have you here, Erica. Oh, thank you. I'm so thrilled. It'll be a wonderful conversation, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. Sure. So uh, can you please tell our audience what's your main business? Is it consulting CEOs and organization for leadership and business? So our, as you said, I'm the founder of Proteus. I founded it in 1990, so it's grown a lot since then. But our focus has always been on making it easier for people to clarify and move toward their hope for future. So individuals and organizations to get clear about what's the future we're trying to create for ourselves and then how do we do that? And so we have three practice areas that we help people. The first one is we call executive coaching, <laughs> and it's executive coaching. So we help individual leaders become better leaders, get clear about the future they want to create for themselves and their business, and then move toward it. And we coach leaders individually, and we also coach teams of leaders. So that's the first practice area. Second practice area we call transformation. And we have in that our change practice, which is relevant to this most recent book. We have a vision and strategy practice, and we also do process improvement. So any kind of transformational effort that a business needs to make in order to get clear about that future and move toward it. And then our third area is called leadership development. And we do leadership and management skills training for groups of leaders. And and the, I think the differentiation there is we really focus on helping people develop new skills. So our, our training isn't just motivational, like, you know, be a good leader, listen better. It's, okay, how do you actually do that? How do you delegate? How do you coach? How do you listen? How do you give feedback? How do you think strategically? You know, all those behaviors and skills that leaders need in order to be good. So that's mm -hmm. our business. So when you started this business, was it more towards the individual or more towards the organization? Um, of course, of course, in this book, you mentioned that everything starts from inside, right? So I believe it was starting from individuals and then it moved to organizations. Exactly. How did you start? That's exactly right. Although it was simultaneous. It's, a, you know, it's like a rock dropping in a pond and creating ripples. We always thought, okay. You need to start with individuals. Leaders need to be strong. Leaders need to be clear. They need to have a mm -hmm. clarity about where they're trying to go and from their teams and from their organizations. So our our both our mission and our three practice areas have been the same for the last 35 years. We've, this is always how we've approached it. Okay. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about your books as well. So you've published five books. Yeah. Uh, I know this could be... Uh, kind of a challenging question, but what do you think, which book is the most closest to your heart or the most special one for you? 
Oh, I, I hate to say, I feel like my other books will be sad. Um, <laughs> I, I always, the, the, maybe this is something about me. I always like my most recent book the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> years thinking and then writing and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's right. I always like the one I've most recently written the best. So maybe I'm fickle in that regard. But, but I, I think so. The reason I started writing books, mm. my first book is called Growing Great Employees, and it was published at the end of 2007. And the reason I wrote it was because I couldn't find it. You know, mm. it didn't exist. I, I, there were a lot of books about how to manage people, but they were, most of them were either very dense and kind of theoretical, you know, yeah. Peter Drucker. Your director is great, but you're not going to get practical advice. It's theoretical, mm. right? Yeah. Or they were very, from my way of thinking, very superficial, like five-minute manager, you know? And what I wanted to create was like a handbook, you know, mm. a handbook for a manager. How do you get clear about who you're trying to hire? How do you find them? How do you get them started? How do you keep them growing? How do you transition them up or out? You know, how, the whole thing. And so because that was a lot of how we were developing leaders, I, I knew I could write it. So I wrote it. And then this has been true with all my books. I wrote it and then I sold it. You know, mm. most people sell based on an outline, but I, yeah. I was very clear on the book I wanted to create. I wrote it and then I took it to this wonderful guy my agent who was recommended to me by by my brother and uh he said he it was great his name's jim oh. uh, and he said um why did you write this book and i said uh three reasons one is i just managing is hard and i wanted to kind of crack the code on that i wanted to make it easier for people to be good managers so that's mm. that's the Second thing is I wanted to have it be a, a reference and a kind of safety net for the people we coach and train. So they, when they leave the coaching, when they leave the training, they have something to refer to. Mm. And the third thing I said, I want to connect and help connect with and help people who I will never meet. Mm. And, and that it broadens my ability to help people. And that's turned out to be true. I think that book has sold almost 40,000 copies now. So wow. thousands of people that I haven't met have, you know, have read that book, which is great. That's great. Yeah. So I also, I always say this to our clients as well, that even if your book is going to change just one person's life or that is worth it, like that is worth writing the book. So, and uh, in my life as well, um, books have played really important role like in every phases of my life um i just 12 13 years ago like i was stuck in an engineering college i i, I used to hate uh over there like uh and i i didn't know exactly what to do and then i found this book called rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki in my yeah in my college library itself i read ah. that book over there and the very same day i just dropped out of the college and i decided to start something of my own otherwise i would have been an engineer which i know that i wouldn't be liking that and i uh the cubicle life right so um so 
that book saved me and not only that like there were so many books that helped me um transition towards uh like not to see failure from a different perspective and to learn yeah. from that and then move forward so yeah. um so yeah like books are really important and i i i also see this as one thing so uh recently a, a few years ago bill gates wrote a book uh, on climate change right and um he worked with hundreds and hundreds of scientists spent millions of dollars on research and studies and then finally he published this book and he's selling it for i think 15 20 so any normal person can find all the knowledge or wisdom that bill gates has after spending yeah. that much of money in just 15 20 this yeah. is the power of books right yeah. so um, so you as well like when you you have worked with hundreds of clients in the past and they, you know exactly how leadership works how it should work and then you cracked the code and wrote a book and has it has read by 40000 readers so imagine that otherwise um, so somewhere like books are kind of changing the world so oh, um absolutely i i i couldn't agree more with everything you've said and i think i i think this is probably true for every author but the the emails or the or the text or the you know the message that that you get from people saying yeah. you know this book your book has really changed the way i think about this or this book has really helped me to do x that's just you can't even those are always the best days exactly yeah. exactly are all your books published uh, by a traditional publisher um traditional or yeah i mean none of them are self published they're they're all yeah the first three by very traditional publishers and then the last two by kind of yeah i guess they're all traditional publishers the last two publishers were smaller publishers but still traditional yeah 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 yeah. Um I'm not sure whether you would be comfortable sharing like how does the publishing world work like the traditionally publishing world work uh do did you reach out to them send them the manuscript or they reached out to you um what kind of royalty structure you guys have like would you be open up sharing that Well the first three I had my wonderful agent Jim yeah. and he Jim Levine and he um actually there was a lot of interest in each of the first three books so he put them up at auction which mm. is what has a lot of interest and so that was great and so i got not a huge royalty but royalty in each of the first three and then the fourth one um a wonderful woman who was the publisher of a small publisher named bibliomotion she came to me and said i've really liked your books i've really seen how they've done i'd love to publish your next book and i said oh it just so happens i'm about 90% of the way done writing it so i'll give it to you and and they published it so she came to me yeah. on that one. and then on the last one uh bibliomotion had been sold to a bigger publisher that i didn't like and wasn't doing a good job with the titles that they had and so i went back to her and asked her who she'd recommend mm-hmm. and she recommended barrett kohler and they were lovely to deal with and they they by that time I'd written this last book and they they liked it and they wanted to publish it so that's how it worked for me 
Got it. Usually, how much time does it take you to write a book, like from scratch, nothing, to a complete manuscript? It takes me about a year. And for all five of them, it's taken about a year. It took a little bit longer for the last one because it was during the pandemic and I yeah. took a kind of six-month hiatus to make sure that our business didn't go bust, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that was about a year and a half, maybe almost two years. But generally, it takes about a year because what – so my process has become – since I've done it a number of times, my process is pretty clear. I start out – and as I said to you earlier, I'm always trying to crack a code – I'm always trying to make some complicated thing easier for people by finding some central model or approach that I can then teach people in a practical way and it will make it easier for them to do whatever the thing right. is. So I think through like what, what problem am I trying to solve for people? And as soon as I get clear about that, then there's usually about a six-month period of thinking about how I'm going to solve that problem. And then when I'm clear about it, then I outline the book and then I start writing. So the wow. whole process is usually a couple of years, but the actual writing is usually about a year. Got it. So the clients that I deal with, the people I deal with, usually these are the people like who are very busy, uh, yeah. professionals, uh, business owners, um, C-suite uh, executives, um, consultants, thought leaders. They want to write a book, but they are stuck. They are busy. They don't have the time to write it. They, most of them are thinking to write a book for five years, 10 years, some for 20 years, 25 years. I assume you are also very busy. You also have a lot of things to do. How do you manage? How do you somehow get the time to write the book while running your businesses and running your consultations? I I think it's a matter of uh, what you love, you know, you, you find time to do the things you love. And I love writing. I love the process of writing. And so, you know, when in previous years when I was writing books and I was really busy in the business, now I've stepped back some and my two younger partners are really running it. So it's easy to find time. Yeah. But, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I was writing books, I would write on transportation. I always joke that trains, planes, and automobiles is why I have books, you know. So you just, you know, if you love it and you want to do it, you find the time. But I think a lot of people don't love to write. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people don't really, a lot of people who have important things to say don't really know how to write. Writing is a craft. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't love it and you're not great at it, you know, I think it's, I think it's great to find somebody to help. Like mm -hmm. you guys. Yeah. And uh, even the seasoned writers, they have this called writer's block. Uh, do you get writer's block? If yes, then how do you deal with that? I've never had writer's block, but mm -hmm. I think it's because I have some ways of approaching writing that make it easier. So mm -hmm. I'll share that. It might be helpful. Yeah, sure. So yeah, sure. Please. So what I find for myself is that getting as clear as possible about the shape of what I'm writing is very helpful. So I start out, once I know, you know, the problem I'm trying to solve, then I, over a period of time, I kind of outline the book, like how is it going to flow and 
I write a couple of sentences about what I think each chapter is going to be. And it doesn't always turn out like that, but it has. it's great to have a frame, right? Yeah. And then the way I write, I think, is very helpful, too. So, <clears throat> And I'm just about to start writing my new book, so this is top of mind. So, Do you have the title ready? Yeah, it's called, it's very exciting. It's called The New Old Age. And the subtitle is Crafting Your Best Later Life. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I've got an outline and I'm just about to start writing. So what I do before I start writing is I think through how I want to start. I real I mess around with it in my brain until I have the first couple of sentences. And I think that's what writer the problem with writer's block is you're looking at a blank page, you don't know how to start, right? So I think about it until I have the first couple of sentences or the first paragraph. And then I sit down at my computer and I start writing and I write that. And then I just, a lot of it is self, how I talk to myself. You know, then I say to myself, hey, I'm just messing around. It doesn't matter if this is right. I think the, that's the other thing that creates writer's block. Is you're like, oh my God, I got to be perfect, right? So I start with my first couple of sentences and then I just keep writing. Okay. And I write until I feel like I'm too far out over my skis. Like I don't really know what I'm saying anymore. Sometimes that's a page. Sometimes it's three pages. And then I stop. When it doesn't feel like I can talk anymore, I stop. And then, and I think this is really important, when I come back to write more, I start at the beginning. I start where I started last time. Mm. And I review and sometimes do some editing, maybe move some yeah. things around. And so by the time I got, I get to the end of where I was before, I'm kind of on a roll. I have some momentum so that it's easy to keep going. So okay. that's how I write the whole thing. I always Good. go back to the beginning of my last writing session and do a little mm. revising, editing, and then keep going. So that's my process, and it seems to work really well. Right. And um, how does your uh, writing routine work like? Are you a morning person, night person? Like, when do you write exactly? You know, I've spoken to a lot of other authors about this, and it seems like most authors need to find, like like people need to find the right time to exercise. Most yeah. authors find, well, you know, like my brother, who's an author, who's a very a best-selling, well-known author, he always writes in the morning. He gets mm. up, has coffee, eats a little breakfast, and sits down, and then he spends most of the morning writing. I am just the opposite. I write when the mood strikes me. And it's very important to me to write when I feel like writing. And now that I'm sort of, you know, semi-retired, I'm only working about 20 hours a week, it's easy to find time to write. But but it's never the same. It's really, for me, it's, it's about am I ready to write versus what time of day or night it is. But I know that's most people. Most people do need to create a schedule for themselves. For you, what is more fun, writing books or consulting leaders? Oh, that is an impossible question. It's two very different kinds of fun, you know. So for me, writing a book is wonderful because it's I get into what what people have come to call the flow state. Yeah. Where you're just like... Mm -hmm. You're in a flow, and I kind of forget what time it is. I, my husband, I've had my husband say to me when I'm writing, "Hey, sweetie, are you hungry? Should we have dinner?" I'm like, <laughs> "How can I have dinner time? I sat down at noon. What seriously?" 
So <laughs> that's what that that just you. I almost get it into an altered state, and that's really fun. But consulting with leaders or acting as an advisor to my own partners, that's a different kind of fun. It just kind of engages your whole brain and you really have to think holistically mm-hmm. about them and their situation and the problem. And and then there's this wonderful dance of you want to help them, but you want to help them help themselves more than you want to give them the answer, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful quote that I found on the internet years ago, and I love this. It said, the best teachers show people where to look. They don't tell them what they'll see. Mm-hmm. Love right? It. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Plus. Thing to people, it's like, hmm, have you thought about this? Or I wonder about, look over there, you know, I wonder about that. And that's, that, it's a whole different kind of fun. They're both extremely fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it seems like you are a problem solver, solver and a, I think you have a system thinking approach. Yes. Um, so when you started this business, uh, how did you get to know that this is the right fit for me and uh, I should start a company where I'm going to help, I'm going to consult leaders and businesses and advise people? Like when, the, what was the point? Like, okay, were you working in corporates before? Like, Tell me a little bit of background. Great question. So I had uh, in the kind of 10 years preceding when I started the company in 1990, I had worked for two companies that did primarily leadership training. And um, as it got toward the end of that decade, right, the year before I started my business, there were a couple of things that I were was that I wanted to do differently. One was I I wanted to be what has now come to be called a business partner. I don't know if that was a term of art 35 years ago, but because I saw that um, most clients, most corporate clients dealt with the companies that I was working with like we were just vendors. It was a very transactional relationship. Like, here, give me a training and I'll give you some money, you know. And And I really wanted to partner with them to and to do the thing that's turned out to be the mission of Proteus, which is to help them get clear about the future they want to create for themselves and move toward it. And I I really, I wanted to do that. And I felt like I could do that. I felt like that wasn't being done much. And that if somebody could do it, that it would be there would be a lot of call for it, you know, that I could build a business doing that. And I felt pretty confident that I could, that I could do that, that I knew how to do that. Mm. So you've been, (laughs) great. So you've been in this business for, I think, three decades now, uh, more than three decades. So for you, what kind of changes do you see um in the leadership so of course 30 years ago there was no internet uh people used to go there in the office now every most of the things are virtual what kind of changes do you see in this world especially after a pandemic in the leadership perspective so one of the things that the pandemic has done i think and i and i see this as a positive thing is 
it has really uh, a lot more leaders now than four years ago really do understand the the value of the people, the value of team, the value of clear communication. All this stuff has been amplified. When you're working like we're talking right now by video, it's even, you know, when you're, when, I mean, your business is all over the world, so you see this. When people are in the same place, you can, you can kind of get away with worse communication because you're right there with each other and you can kind of fix it up and pick it up and do it, you know, kind of ad hoc. But when you're in different places and you only see each other like this, you know, your yeah. email or through video call, you really, it's really important to be clear. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to support people. And it's really important to figure out how not just to have purely business conversation how do you connect with each other mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic i think most leaders realize more now than they did four years ago how important it is to lead well to connect with people to understand them to communicate perhaps, all those things right yeah and uh Tell me about the marketing. So, of course, for the first book, you you sold more than 40,000 copies. Did you also do some sort of marketing or your publisher uh, did all distribution and they were kind of a they played the major role in the in selling 40,000 copies? Exactly what happened over there? So one of the things I should make clear is that the 40,000 copies have happened over the last how long has it been? 16 years. So yeah. it's a very good backlist book. It's still selling because it's kind of universal and timeless. How do you manage people well? You know, so that's happened over time. But the it's funny that the I was so um, innocent with that first book. I I figured you know the publisher would do it all, mm -hmm. and publisher never does it all. And and it's when I realized that oh I have to be the CEO of this book, <laughs> and I didn't know very much about publicity or marketing. They they did some, they did some things, but I hired a woman to kind of help. And then for the second, uh, third and fourth book, I hired a publicist knowing that the, that the publisher was probably not going to do that much. And that was helpful. And then for this last book, the publisher actually hired a publicist right around the time of publishing to get me on a bunch of podcasts and to get a, a you know, get a bunch of articles out there and stuff. So that was good. But yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you know this better than anybody. It's it's really important to have somebody doing the marketing of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, like for the first publisher that you worked with, in your experience, what exactly is their role what do they do in the book publishing process and yeah. as an as an author what is your roles and responsibilities so their role as they saw it and remember this is 2007 so uh barnes and noble was still a big thing you know and still yeah, yeah. And barnes and noble so they saw their primary role, I think, as distribution, good distribution, getting in, into Barnes & Noble, getting into mm. other, you know, uh, the other booksellers that existed at the time, secondarily getting it on Amazon. Amazon wasn't as huge as it is now. 
Mm. And um, and then I think secondarily, they saw their role as, well, very first, just to make the book, you know, have, like do the copy editing. Yeah, work, yeah. Designing. Cover, all that. Yeah, yeah. But then after that, distribution. And, um, you know, and that at the time, that meant partly kind of selling it to the sales force at Barnes & Noble so they would want to have it and sell it and stuff, you know, which doesn't even hardly exist anymore. And um, and then I think they saw marketing third, and they did do some marketing. They got me, it got, it was reviewed in the Hard Business Review very positively, which was really helpful, and they got me a couple of other articles. Mm. But that's, I think that's what they saw as their role. And anything beyond that in terms of getting the word out and marketing and stuff, one fortunate thing is we've always used my books in our business. So that's mm. a, another source of, of selling. I don't do – a lot of authors do a lot of speaking. Yeah. do some but not much. It's never been a main source of income, and it's never been a main source of book sales, which is mm. not true for a lot of authors. But we do um, – sell books to our clients as support for various kinds of, you know, coaching and training and stuff. Mm. So tell me more about it. Like how, what are the other ways you are monetizing the book in the back end? Like, are you distributing the book to your clients? Are you getting clients through the book? Like what exactly how are you using the book? So, um, all of the books, we are references, resources for our clients. Mm -hmm. So like we do um, a, a, a vision strategy work with a client, we'll include copies of my book about that process, which is called Being Strategic, um, for each of the people that we're directly affecting, usually the senior team and their uh, next layer or so down. So that's one way. Same thing with uh, the change book. If we do an accelerating change process or we're doing a transformational effort with a client, we encourage them to buy the book to help the people who are involved in the change understand better how change works, understand better the process they're going through. If we do a management skills training, we include the Growing Grant Employees book, if we do a leadership training, we include the leading so people follow books. So that's been our kind of main way of monetizing the book through our business is including an inappropriate interventions that we do with clients. And what kind of major changes you see in your life and in your business after publishing these books? Like, can you tell me the before and after, like, before 2007 when you yeah. didn't publish your book and now yeah. in 2023 like what kind of changes you see just from the books that's a great question so the immediate change and this was kind of surprising to me i didn't expect it what the very first book you know because it did well and it was reviewed well and our business review and other places um was credibility mm. it's like suddenly People would take my calls that didn't want to hear from me at all, you know, and 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 it was so fascinating to me because I knew I was exactly the same person, right, with the same right. expertise, the same level of understanding, and uh, you know, suddenly everybody thought I was a lot smarter and cooler than they thought beforehand, you know, and 
I don't know if that, so that was 16 years ago. I don't know if the same would be true now, but 16 years ago, having a book published by a major publisher that did well, that it had a huge uh, impact on my credibility and the credibility of my company. And Mm. now I think that we have these five books and that they're all available and they show up on our website, on my website. I think I think just overall, like it has continued to increase the credibility that like, oh, these people mm. know what they're talking about. They have these five Polish resources that all seem to have done well. And so I think that's the main thing is just credibility. Why do you think this happens? Like I've also seen um, several authors get kind of a celebrity level status. Uh, like think about like Richard Brand's, yeah. uh, Richard Brand, of course, like, he ha- he was popular before that, but uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Brendan yeah. Bashad, Tony Robbins, like most of these people, they were kind of a unknown before publishing their book. Yeah. Why do you think this happens? Like why people see uh, authors as an uh, authority in the industry? So I think it's kind of a, a, a virtuous cycle. So um, somebody let's say somebody who's not very well known at all publishes a book by some topic that grabs people and the book does well Mm. and people start reading it and you know quoting it in various places and then so then it's like oh the the author of that book must know what he or she is talking about and so then that person starts being interviewed and they say smart things that line up with the book and so it just you know goes like that Mm. And I think once you publish a book, it's also a very great, great reference point. Like, for example, if you get on podcasts or a TV shows, people can ask you questions about that specific book. It would be a kind of a signature product of yours. Yes. Right. That is that is published. That is live in the world. So people can ref, always refer to that book and always ask questions about the book. Yep. So um, that's. So yeah, definitely. That's uh, and what has changed in your personal life? Like I, I was talking to an author, and uh, when she wrote the book finally after several years, then she said that something inside her changed. Like uh, for several years, all of these things were in her head, and then finally seeing all of those ideas and those stories and experiences in the in the paper and then finally in a book is very transformative for her so um for you like what was your experience like personally mental level emotionally what has changed within you huh that's an interesting question i i maybe this is something odd about me i when I started writing my first book, which was in 2005, I always assumed I would be able to get it published. I assumed I would be able to get it published, that it would be useful, that it would do pretty well. I did. I never doubted that. And it's interesting. Mm. It's partly my family. So I'm one of four kids, and mm. three out of the four of us are published authors. Okay. So my mom was a big, she was, she was a journalism major in college in the 40s and she was a good writer and had articles published and stuff and she 
gave us all a love for language. And so that was just our life. It wasn't like an unusual thing, you know, and mm. 20 years before I published my first book, I wrote all the materials for our company. I wrote the website when there was a website, I mean, you know, so writing was just my life. I'd always written short stories. And so it was just like, yes, of course, I'm going to do this. I do remember the first time I saw my first book in a bookstore. It was the Barnes and Nobles uh, in New York City, right mm -hmm. to the west of Central Park. On, 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 uh, <laughs> and I saw it there on the shelf of business books. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I guess the only thing is once having done it, I felt even more confident that I could do it again. So when it came to the second book, I felt like, of course, I can do this. So mm. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yes. When are you going to publish this, the next book? Um, when is the live my, date? My writing schedule is to have it done at the end of this year. It will take me, as it usually does, about a year. So at the end of 2024. And then I'll look for a publisher. So. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, I've dealt with a lot of clients and um, most of them, they have a lot of ideas, a lot of stories and experience, and they always get confused. Should they put all those ideas in one book or they should distribute it in books or other like different books or kind of creating a series of the books. Um, and that's a very big challenge. Like, of course, uh, for someone like they don't have any idea at all for someone they have too many ideas how do you deal with it and how do you decide that okay this is the stop these are the things that i'm going to talk in the book not these ideas only these ideas so how, how do you process that that is a great question the the way i do it is rather than thinking oh my gosh i have a million things to say i'll throw them all in this book I always start with, and I said this earlier, what problem am I trying to solve? So with this last book about change that I wrote, we at Proteus, we had had a change practice for 10 years, 12 years before I wrote this book. And, and it's a, it was a good process and it was helping clients through big transformative changes. But what I noticed was that change, big disruptive change was still really hard for people. And so what I was trying to solve in writing this book is why is change so hard and what can we do to make it easier? Those were the questions I was trying. So having the core question like that is wonderfully focusing because when you have that core question, then you just put in the book what best answers that question, right? Yeah, yeah. So if your only starting point is, oh, my gosh, I got a bunch of things I could say, that's not going to be helpful to anybody. What problem are you trying to solve? What what hypothesis are you trying to prove? What thing are you trying to show? Find that core mm -hmm. and then that helps organize what goes in the book to address that core. Yeah, we also deal with this problem kind of in a similar way. So we always work with a client and create a outline quadrant and the outline quadrant consists of four different elements the first is the idea the main the core book idea the second is why they have to be very clear that why they want to write a book the third is the readers right exactly who is the readers what kind of pain they are experiencing if they haven't read a book yet and what they will get once they'll complete the book 
then fourth is the hook. How this book is different from all the other books on the same yes. topic. So yeah. these four elements, and we <laughs> um, we ask them to also download it and print it out and paste it on the wall where they are working right. on the book. So always it is in front of them. So whenever they are kind of getting distracted and they have different ideas, they know that okay, this book is only about these. So we should only work on this. So yeah, wow. like we have. I love a, that. That's wonderful and very so helpful, especially I would think to somebody writing their first or perhaps only book, just to have that framework. Yeah. That's great, awesome. Mm. Oh, and, another thing I do that might be helpful for people, for your authors, yeah. is once I figured out, as you say, my why. You know, what code am I trying to crack? What problem am I trying to solve? Yeah. Then um, I. Because I always want my, I do love writing, but I always want my tone to be very conversational. I want it to mm -hmm. be easy and not off-putting and accessible. So I create a, a mythological readers group. I create a group of readers. Right. And I'm very specific. Like for my last book, there was a... A middle-aged black senior vice president, a guy who was having to really transform his company after a merger. He was sitting there. Then there was a young Hispanic woman in her 20s who had been kind yeah. of pulled into helping with the change and really felt like she didn't understand change and she needs. So I put four or five literal people that I make up and I write to them. Yeah. So it's like you are talking to them while writing the book. So, um, great. Love it. Um, because um, eventually when anyone is reading a book, they're reading it alone, right? They're not reading exactly. it in groups. So, um, yeah. I love it. Um, and I do that and make them very different is because I want them to find that place where it would appeal to each of them because, as you mm. say, people read books alone. So exactly. write in a way that appeals to this middle-aged black guy and this young Hispanic woman and this older woman who runs an HR function. And, you know, I, I want to then thread that needle and find a way to speak to all of them. Mm. Right. One more question I have. So you have written five books and you are writing another book as well. How do you make sure that you are not repeating the same core ideas again and again in other books what's your process so, so the the i'll go back again this this thing that i do of figuring out you know the code i'm trying to crack what problem am i trying to solve for people that is like your framework that really keeps me in line and i find that things from other books do creep in like mm. in, the, in the change book um i for instance in each one of my books, I talk about the power of self-talk, about the power of mastering your internal mental monologue. I just think that's a core element of almost everything, and people are terrible at it. And so that that's come in all five of my books. But like, for instance, in this change book, one of the things we talk about is how important it is to get when you're if if you're creating a change in your organization to get clear about the future you're trying to create, to really envision the future state, because it's too scary for people mm -hmm. to make a change if they don't know what's coming. And so I brought in elements of the process of creating clear vision from the Being Strategic book. So 
you know, so if something, some skill, some understanding from a previous book is helpful, I'll bring it in, but I'm trying to solve a new problem. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. And usually how long your books are, like number of pages? Um, I think a number of words versus number of pages, but I think all of my books are between 60 and 80,000 words. I think it's that's true. 250 pages or something. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, love it. So I just one last question I have I have for you. So you are kind of a seasoned writer. You love to write, and you have written five books and another writing another book. I'm sure you're going to be writing several more books as well in the future. But what suggestions do you have for those aspiring writers who want to write a book but they're stuck? They're not able to write a book for several years. Uh, so what are the top two or three things you have, like what kind of advice you can give to them so that they can finally get unstuck and get their book done and published? If they want to write it themselves versus working with, you know, somebody like you or some other, some uh, somebody else who can kind of ghostwrite it for them, mm. I would encourage people to just, and this is um, advice that I've read. Stephen King wrote a very good book about writing, and he says this as mm. well. Just write. Just get in the process of writing. Write every day. Keep a journal. Just put, put aside for a minute the idea of a book because that's like big mm. and scary. But just start writing. Just find yeah. your voice as a writer. Write about anything that interests you and just get into the momentum of doing that. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And the second thing I would say is write smaller things in the area that you want to create the book find places to do articles or write blog posts so just kind of move in that direction i feel like people try and go from zero to 60. i'm not writing at all and i want to write a book i mean that's so overwhelming you know so start writing and then start writing in the area and then it'll be much easier to go to the book great advice thank you so much there's one more thing that um has worked really well for people like who always struggle to write or who don't like writings like you. Uh, so these people like usually they're good at speaking, right? They can't write, but they're good at speaking. They can talk for hours and hours, but they always get stuck when it comes to writing or keyboard. So what they can do, there are so many dictation tools, like some extensions or Chrome extensions, some softwares. So instead of you writing the book, once you have the outline ready, you can just start talking and recording it, right? And uh, it will transcribe everything and you will have your first draft of that chapter ready. It would be a shitty first draft, but at least you have something written. And now you can go through it. So uh, you you won't have to stare with to the blank page. And yeah. So you will have something to work on because you have created something and now you can build upon on that. So that has worked also well for those people like oh, who just a, hate writing, especially that's me. A, like, that's <laughs> a great idea. And then do you find that most people who don't like writing, once they have a draft, they're okay editing? It's less less negative for them to edit? Yeah, for someone, like once they see that, okay, they have made some progress, like they get some motivation and then they start working. Uh, for some people, like again, editing is another big challenge, right? Yeah. So for them, uh, 
we are there to support them there are other companies as well like who also support them yeah. so uh, we have to some some ex- expect that writing is not our skill set like people like i was shocked to know that even rich dad poor dad steven covey's books um richard branson's books um all the top 1% books that i see on amazon they were ghost written yeah when i when i got to know that i was shocked but i realized that these people know the value of their time and uh, they know that it is not their main skill set right yeah. they hire yeah. someone else like who has uh 20 25 years of experience in writing books and have written several books so uh, at one point you have to understand your strengths and weakness if you yeah. see that like you are trying but you are not able to make progress then maybe you can approach some i think you that's can, exactly right i i completely agree with what you just said because i think people are kind of like well if it's ghost writing and so but what you said is exactly right some if if you don't like to write and you're not great at it mm-hmm. you know exactly lateral 80,000 words is a lot of work <laughs> the whole process why put yourself through that you yeah. know really understands you and is as you say has the experience understands your voice understands what you want to communicate why not you know of course yeah of course great erica uh thank you so much for your time uh, like honestly speaking i have learned a lot of things from you today so uh and i'm in this industry for more than 10 years and um i've learned a lot of things from you so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom your awesome. insights i loved talking with you you have a really great energy um so thank you so much for your time um this has been marvelous and and i hope other people find it helpful as well yeah yeah sure thank you so much erica and thank you so much everyone for listening to the show i'm going to see you in the next episode bye bye